the first domino of the Calgary Flames offseason has fallen, and Tyler Toffoli is in New Jersey. Your Locked On Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today, Wednesday morning, Tuesday night's edition of Lockdown Flames. I'm your host, Nick Zavaris. Today's episode is presented by FanDuel, and we here at Lockdown Flames got you guys covered all summer long, because if today, the last few days, are any indication for how this offseason is going to go, there's going to be lots of activity, so you got to be subscribed wherever you get your podcasts, on YouTube as well. We're going to have you guys covered, giving you everything you need to know about what's going on with the team. You can see it over there if you're watching on YouTube. Excuse me, I'm pointing the wrong way. I always forget the camera's flipped. If you're watching on YouTube, I'm sorry why I just pointed the wrong way. But you can see it over here on the graphic off to my side. We're going to be talking about the Tyler to fully trade in the abstract, big picture, what it all means. We'll talk a little bit about who Yeager Sharangovich, the forward they acquired from the New Jersey Devils, is, what type of player he is, what he could be for the Flames. And then third segment, we're going to try and pick through it all. We're going to try and read how the market is developing. Pierre-Luc Dubois also got traded today. So there's a lot to discuss. So let's get on into it. So as you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, I'm still wearing a Met jersey and a Met hat. Uh, I got Mr. Met as Indiana Jones. Uh, I got home pretty late, but I couldn't record an episode from City Field uh, numerous logistical issues. Uh, technically speaking, yes. Uh, Jess texted me uh, as soon as the trade went down, can you record right now? And I sent her a picture of Starling Marte standing in right field. And and we both giggled and said this would be good content. But the whole Digital Media Copyright Act makes it difficult to record videos in public because I know I am not actively playing whatever song is playing at the stadium. But YouTube and the filters that pop creators for digital media content act violations they do not know that i am not the one playing the music that i am not claiming ownership over whatever song is playing in the background so had to wait till i got home just wasn't able to make it up just has to be up early tomorrow morning so i'm gonna hold it down and we're gonna talk about this big picture so over the last few weeks we've we've kind of figured we're going to start seeing dominoes falling. And to me, I thought Elias Lindholm would be the first one because he's the biggest fish. Because if you trade your number one center, that sends a message to your fan base, everybody else that, hey, we're taking a step back. That There's no other way around it. Unless you are getting a player who could fulfill that role, step up into that role as a number one center back, you can't really sell you can't sell it to your fan base that that's what the plan is, that you still think you can be competitive selling that first guy, selling your number one center. So that's why I assume Lindholm would be first because he's the biggest fish and because he's going to command the most money and realistically he's going to get the best trade package in return. I was a little surprised that Tyler Toffoli was the first of the chips to get moved, which includes Noah Hannafin, Nikita Zadorov, Daniel Vladar. There, there are definitely subsequent trades that are going to happen over the next 12 months, but I was a little surprised to see Tyler Toffoli moved. 
And frankly, for as little as he was moved for a, a third round pick and a forward who 25 years old, not an extensive, extensive NHL track record. And we're going to talk about Sharon Govich more in the second segment. So I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but knee jerk reaction. I, I felt like the flames definitely a few things. Oh, I was trying to think of how I wanted to rattle these off, but uh, on the ride back up, but number one, I do think, and this is purely me speculating, I cannot confirm or deny this, I think the Flames made a point of sending Tyler to Foley somewhere where he'd have an opportunity to be successful. And more likely than not, Tyler Toffoli's not going to sign an extension with the New Jersey Devils. He's landing in New Jersey for a chance to win. And this is a guy who's won already with the, the Los Angeles Kings. This is somebody who came close with the Canadians a few years ago. This is a good hockey player, Tyler Toffoli, coming off a 73-point season, best statistical season of his career, a shoot-first guy, can score some goals, likes ripping the puck, pretty good, I'd say above average. I wouldn't say elite shot, because when you start throwing around elite, you start to you sort of water down what the word means, and God, you heard the New York accent there, the way I said water. But I thought Tyler Toffoli, at the very least, you get a first-round pick back in exchange. And excuse me, if you're watching on YouTube, you're probably seeing me look off, and you're probably seeing me looking off in the distance as I type because I wanted to look up who originally it was a Tyler Toffoli was traded to the Flames for a first round pick Tyler Pitlick and a forward prospect and a fifth round pick and that was a player with a few years of team control left so the team control is where the value starts to come in for these trades you, you look at what Pierre-Luc Dubois got in return where you got Alec Alafila Eric, I follow. Words are hard sometimes. You got a really good package back from Winnipeg, but that's because it's for a 25-year-old with two years of restricted free agency control and can sign an up-to-eight-year extension because you're trading for his rights. So that means that is going to provide you more value. You're getting a full season of Tyler Toffoli, not just a trade deadline, which that's part of why I think I would have liked more. Because if you told me this was the return February or March, okay, I, I can understand why the price was what it was. But there are not a lot of tantalizing players out there right now in for free agency which is going to open saturday afternoon there, there's not really anybody as good as tyler Toffoli as an unrestricted free agent that's going to be out there you might talk yourself into some a project like if you're a really close team like say you're colorado say you're the Kings, maybe say you're the stars and you want to do Max Pacioretty on an over 35 contract and you're going to set it up so that your money, the money he gets, most of the money he gets is going to be in over 35 bonuses where they'll count against the salary cap for next year. That okay. But Tyler Toffoli is a really good hockey player. There are not a lot of guys with this shoot first skill set at that level. And, and when I say that level, I mean, in regards of his talent level, not the NHL level. There are of course a lot of guys at the NHL level who can shoot the puck, but Tyler Toffoli is a particularly gifted shooter to only get a third round pick. And 
middle six forward is probably being a little generous. Sharon Govich has never really played a lot of power play. He's never really been an individual play driver. And we're going to talk about him in a minute. I've got some visuals to kind of illustrate how, uh, what type of player he is. It, and it's frustrating. Okay. It, it's frustrating when you see what's out there because this is going to be a seller's market. There are not a lot of good pieces out there. Mark Shifley, that's maybe the best forward available for a trade right now because Pierre-Luc Dubois is off the board, and Mark Shifley has real limitations, uh, especially defensively. There are some questions about what kind of person he is, especially how things ended in Winnipeg. So you would have liked the Flames to do better here. I was expecting a first-round pick and a low-grade prospect, somebody you know who may be outside chance of making the NHL or has one particularly good tool in their toolbox, but not really. This is not what I was expecting. This is a clear-cut message of we want to send you to a good landing spot. We're not particularly worried about the cost because we, we know this is going to be a while before we're ready to go. So think about it the way the Blackhawks just kind of took whatever they could get for Kirby Doc and for Alex Debrinkit last year. That's kind of the message this type of move sends to me. And we'll see. Maybe they get a massive return for Lindholm. Maybe because Lindholm is arguably the best player left that's available to be acquired right now. Maybe he moves the needle. Maybe it's... Maybe it's UC Soros. I don't know who the best player that is potentially available is right now. But before we move along, we have got to take a minute to talk about our friends at FanDuel. Take your first swing at MLB betting on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 You can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under who you think is going to hit the first home run. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet MLB than on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Must be 21 plus and present in certain states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit minimum required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire after 14 days receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at FanDuel.com sportsbook. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step. 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-777, or visit slash chat in Connecticut, 1-809-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-70-STOP in Louisiana. 
Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. Or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. Or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK in New York. Want to thank everyone for hanging out on this Wednesday, probably when you're listening to this, because I started recording on a Wednesday, so you couldn't be listening to this on Tuesday, even though my body still thinks it is Tuesday. After today's show, be sure to check out Locked On's 2023 NHL Mock Draft Special. The local hosts of the Locked On NHL channel here have made their picks, and hosts Gil Martin and Heidi Kalecki break down every selection over a three-day mock draft event, Find the episodes on Locked On NHL on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts, where Jess and I, we picked Matthew Wood, a power forward from the University of Connecticut, the youngest player in the NCAA this past season as a 17 turning 18 years old, late birthday. So really young guy, lots of potential. The Flames could also go defense. The Flames are in a weird in-between right now where they can basically take anything because they're not drafting for need. They are drafting to start building a foundation. So moving right along, we're going to talk about your Sharon Govich a little bit more, focus on him, and then we'll circle back around to Tyler Toffoli in the next segment. So I'm going to click on this button here, and we're going to pull up the first tab. So as you can see, not a long NHL track record. This is somebody who played in the KHL for a number of years, three years in the NHL, so came over as a 22-year-old, drafted by the Devils as a fifth-round pick. The Devils have done a decent job of turning late and mid-round picks into NHL players, and that's really all you can hope for when you're picking beyond the third round is, is this guy going to give me 50, 100 NHL games? Can I flip him into something? Because Tom Fitzgerald of the New Jersey Devils just turned a fifth-round pick and a third-round pick into Tyler Toffoli for one season, which sounds pretty good. So you'll see uh, 106 career points, career high in goals in a season 24, nothing really jumping off the page here at you on face value. Now, this one's a little, this visual, if you are watching on YouTube, is a little bit more in-depth. I only really want to focus on one thing, and that's the amount of even strength time and the common line mates. So you see that top graph there. The main the main guys, this the main forwards Sharon Govich played with this past season. Jesper Boquist, somebody who hasn't really stuck yet at the NHL level. Got some run with Jack Hughes, which uh, encouraging. Some run with Michael McLeod. Not really cemented long stretches in the top six. And the Devils were a good team this year. And you got to remember, they added t- uh, Timo Meyer at the trade deadline, somebody they might be keeping. And then uh, Sharon Govich only played three games in the playoffs, somebody who got squeezed out of their lineup as the Devils opted for guys like Miles Wood, looking for a little bit more of that size and that physicality that the team stubbornly cling to and ask for in the playoffs. So moving right along here, I've got some visual – ooh, excuse me. Got some visuals from HockeyViz.com, which kind of illustrate where scoring chances are coming from on the ice. So when we talk about expected goals, all it means is how likely a shot is to result in a goal. You value a scoring chance from zero to one, so you're going to be dealing with decimals. Every goal gets a value assigned to it based on where it comes from, based on historical data. So 
X number of shots over the last number of years from this area have scored as a goal this number of times, this percentage of times, and that's how these numbers are calculated. So with Sharon Govich in 898 five-on-five minutes, so we can say 900 five-on-five minutes, the Devils 2.77 expected goals per 60 minutes of ice time. That is 5% lower than the league average for expected goals per 60. So not as much offense, but you got to remember the role Sharon Govich is playing. If he's playing in the bottom six in particular, he's not going to be in situations where he's playing with particularly mobile defensemen. He's not going to be as responsible for scoring, frankly. If you're on a team like the Devils that plays a lot of possession, that really controls the puck a lot, sometimes a good play is to just cycle the offensive zone for 45 seconds a minute and a half wear out the other team change get the next line out there and then you'll see the reason i kind of i make that conclusion is the devils conceded 12 percent less than league average when sharon govich was on the ice that tells me that the devils even though they aren't generating a lot because they're five percent below league average in the offensive zone they're also not getting killed defensively that tells you that at the very least when sharon govich is on the ice nothing's happening. He's low event. He's low risk. And there's potential for growth there with a little bit more opportunity, maybe playing with more gifted players, slightly different system. And we can keep moving right along here. We're moving at a decent pace. This from Puck IQ, which if you're not familiar with Puck IQ, the website keeps track of the quality of your competition. It breaks it up into elite players, middle six players, and gritty players. So you, you think about that in terms of your top six, third line, fourth line. And you can see it based on Sharon Govich's career. He's played the bulk of his ice time against low-tier players, grit, density, and middle. And dangerous Fen- DFF is dangerous Fenwick. Fenwick is Corsi without the shots that miss the net, get blocked, etc. So only the shots that are on net, those are Fenwick scoring chances. The The percentage of Fenwick is just how many of those your team generates out of the total number of chances within the game. Against elite competition, you see that's the only real split where he's below 50% of the scoring chances. And at 49, as this type of player, that's not too bad. But you can see, based on the visual here, where it's 2021, 21, 22, and 22, 23, you can tell he played the least amount of quality competition this past season. And that makes sense because the Devils were a lot better this year. They had a breakout transcendent season from Jesper Boquist. They had a really good season from Dawson Mercer that allowed Sharon Govich to play further down the lineup. And he played well, more than 50% of the dangerous scoring chances when he's on the ice. That's good. That is a good thing. It's just you don't know how good Sharon Govich is really going to be in an entirely different environment. So what we have to do is kind of sift through the stuff that's in the past, and we're coming up against it here towards the end of – oh, I thought I had one more slide, but that works. Okay, so you get what the the image is here. Maybe Sharon Govich is – a second liner if you have really good line mates for him. If you have a center that can kind of make zone entries and allow him to kind of be an energy feed off of him guy. But I don't necessarily think Sharon Govich is a big picture long-term piece here. He's 25 years old. I want to say he has one more year under contract and I'm going to pull it up right now. I should have looked this up before, but I was, Busy trying to put together that quick little slideshow so you had some visuals for you. 
Yeah, Sharon Govich is... Excuse me, I was incorrect. He is a restricted free agent, and he is arbitration eligible. So that means he is going to sit down with the Flames. The Flames are going to sit down with him. There will be someone in the room. He will submit a number he thinks he is worth. The Flames will submit a number he thinks the Flames think he is worth. The arbitrator will make a ruling in favor of who is correct. So this makes it tricky because you're getting off on a foot right away where you're going to have to tell a guy to his face, hey, we don't think you're worth that. And that's that's tricky. That is tricky when you have to immediately start off a relationship in that type of context. Moving right along here. One last time, thank you everyone for hanging out, listening to today's show. Make sure you are subscribed wherever you get your podcast or on YouTube as well. Cannot recommend watching on YouTube enough. We can add more value to your experience. There are things to look at. There are graphs, there are charts. There, there's more immersion when you watch on YouTube because I can, I, Jess and I can give you more to work with in terms of understanding any point we're trying to make. So yeah, if you can, if you have the opportunity, give us a try on YouTube. We appreciate you if you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever, but give the show a shot on YouTube and you might be able to pick up a little bit more. So one last segment trying to read the tea leaves a great expression uh, an expression i was familiar with before uh i want to say prisoner of azkaban or maybe goblet of fire i forget i, I forget the first episode where uh, episode the first harry potter movie where they go up to the, the clock tower with professor trelawney and they got the they literally have the bolt the uh the tea the excuse me the tea mug cup whatever yeah teacup i'm stupid don't mind me i'm tired they have the teacup and literal tea leaves in it and reading fortunes out of it so i want to say this is the first step in something similar to what you've seen in other places i think if the flames are not actively looking to tear it down to just huberto kadri uyghur if you're not just looking to tear it down, and Rasmus Anderson, if you're not just trying to tear it down to those four guys, you could have gotten a lot more for Tyler Toffoli. And I do think Kevin Conroy is making an honest attempt here at sending guys to decent landing spots. Like I'm sure there are better, there are worse teams who probably would have offered a little bit more for Toffoli, but Conroy didn't want to do him like that. He wanted to send him somewhere where he'd have a chance to win because that's clearly that's something mattered. That's something that mattered to him because if not, Toffoli probably would have been interested in signing an extension. And from what I understand, if I remember correctly, what I read, I'm going to pull it up right here because I want to make sure I'm quoting it accurately and who reported it because it's tricky. It is very tricky. And where is it? Where is it? Uh, blah, blah, blah. 70. No, 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 no. I can't find that tweet. So I'm not going to cite what I think it said because I want to be accurate. I'll get back to you. I'll, I'll throw it on the feed when I refind it and I'll bump it, quote, tweet it, etc. So everyone knows what I'm talking about. But I, I want to say it was centered around the Flames not reaching out to Tyler Toffoli about an extension. 
promptly and he felt kind of weird about it, whatever, it doesn't really matter. What matters is the Flames are starting to unwind this group. And I think the most important point I want to make here is the Flames cannot do half measures. You cannot trade Tyler Toffoli and Noah Hannafin and Nikita Zadorov and Daniel Vladar and then give Elias Lindholm like eight and a half, nine million dollars a year. You saw what Pierre Luc Dubois got eight and a half million per year, and the the Kings had to give up three players, and they had to give up three players to get him, and eight and a half million dollars per year. I don't think Elias Lindholm is worth eight and a half million dollars per year at the ages at the age range he is going to be under contract for, and what the Flames are going to be, frankly, if you're going to be a bad team you would rather roster three guys for eight and a half million dollars a year than one. It's nice. I, and I don't think Elias Lindholm is the type of player you need to be bending over backwards, trying to facilitate keeping to really orchestrate your entire organization around. He's just not that tier of player. He's a good player. Frankly, any team that gets Elias Lindholm is probably going to give up less than he is totally worth. It is hard to get fair value in the NHL in trades, and for the most part, teams don't. Um, For the most part, teams always end up losing one end of these trades. That's just... And the the ironic thing is every guy who accepts a trade thinks they're winning the trade. You look at it, you saw Kevin Hayes get traded for a sixth-round pick as a straight salary dump at 50% retained. The Flames turned Tyler Toffoli into Igor Sharangovich in a third-round pick. Sharangovich... They could flip again. Maybe they can get a fourth or a fifth for him. And then they got a third and a fourth, and they could turn that into a second. This is this is it. Mike Gold, who uh, Mike Gold, who works for Daily Face Off, somebody I somebody I know, someone I interact with pretty regularly, is pretty adamant that the Flames shouldn't be bending over backwards here for Elias Lindholm, that they need to take a stand, that they need to, okay, if we trade Tyler Toffoli, we gotta trade Lindholm. We can't. We can't just keep Lindholm because we don't want to lose another good player. If you're going to commit to resetting your roster and building it out the right way, do it. You need assets. You need to start over. Look at what the Kings did. The Kings turned three players into one player. And yeah, Dubois probably not better than the aggregate talent of the two guys, the two roster players that the uh, Jets got in return. But he's a good player. He's more valuable in an environment where he's going to get a chance. And that's frankly what the Flames need to think about here. Elias Lindholm is his own line. He needs complementary wingers to really accentuate his skill set. The Flames might have that. They might be able to get Huberto and him to click well. And maybe, you know, you, you get in at that seven or eight spot in the playoffs. But not meanfully contending for a Stanley Cup. And NHL teams love to point at the outliers. They point to the Panthers this year. They point to the rookie Hurricanes in 2018 or 2019 when they made the conference final. Yeah, those those are great. It, it's cool when that happens. But when you're counting on things that happen once every five years, once every six years, it, that's not really a, a convincing plan. You need to be in the playoffs every single year 
to eventually get lucky. It, it takes so much luck to eventually win a championship. It, Vegas made the playoffs every year but one of their existence, and they finally won their cup, and they arguably probably should have won two years ago when they lost to the Canadians, and they probably could have given the the Lightning a very good series that year, but they didn't because the luck just didn't go their way. So for the Flames... Starting over is daunting. You're trying to open a new arena. You've got an older owner who probably doesn't want to waste two or three years of what he's got left as a living entity on a bad team. So I, I understand why the Flames wouldn't ever commit to a full-throated rebuild. And you have the undercurrent of it's kind of hard in Canadian markets. The Canadian markets struggle to keep players to retain. You don't want to let Lindholm go because you lost Kachuk and Gaudreau. I understand the narrative reasons why you feel you need to keep Lindholm. But you need to be honest. It is the most important it is the most important messaging aspect to me. I don't care what you think is going to happen. Be honest with me and direct. If you tell me, hey, we need to trade Elias Lindholm because we're starting over. And yeah, we're going to have Huberto. We're going to have Conjury. We're going to have Mackenzie Weager. We're going to have Rasmus Anderson. And that, that's going to be our, our nucleus for these young guys to grow around. We're going to get draft picks. We're going to take flyers on restricted free agents and guys from other teams that need a better chance or a better situation. And we're going to figure it out as we go. But we're not totally tearing it down. And frankly, you couldn't trade those either of Huberdeau or Kadri for at least another year or two. There's just too much money in term on both of those deals. But that's neither here nor there. That's not the point. You got your four or five marketable guys. You hope Dustin Wolf is your franchise goalie. You, you got a starting point. Okay. Now let's get assets in here. Let's turn over the core. Let's get younger. Let's get faster. Let's get cheaper. That's your selling point. If you hear any of those words similar in that fashion, you you don't have to pay me, Kevin Conroy, but just pat on the head. Tell me I did a good job. That will do it for today's episode of Locked on Flames. Hope everybody had a good time. Have a good day. Make sure you are subscribed wherever you get your podcast. We got your team covered every single day. Jess will be back with you guys tomorrow. I will be back on Thursday, and we will continue to try and interpret what on in the NHL today.